weird times, creepy crimes, and unexplained phenomena. If it's weird and it's in Florida, it's on the SoFlo Weird Show. I'm your host and head weirdo, Mia Lorenzo. What do you get when you introduce a real estate agent to a social worker selling her house? You get the nomadic travelers Jason Lawrence and Nicole Potter. Now that's kind of weird, yet kind of cool. You never know the connections you'll make or where newfound opportunities will take you. I met Jason and Nicole at the Podcast Movement Convention in Orlando. I wanted to learn more about their travels and if they'd encountered anything weird. They live in Indiana, so we talked remotely. Remember, if you like what you hear, then be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Welcome, Jason, and welcome, Nicole. It's so great to have you on the SoFlo Weird Show. Yeah, we're excited to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, uh, so much fun that we had at the podcast convention, so it's great to catch up with you guys again. Yeah. Tell me how you two met and when you decided to be nomadic travelers. We met about a year ago, uh, a little over that, and um, I was actually selling my house here in Indianapolis, Mm -hmm. and Jason was my realtor. Yay. Uh, So we kind of met, found out that we both kind of like traveling, and we liked the idea of like you know, many, like lots of vacations throughout your life instead of like a long retirement at the end. And so that was something that we kind of just bonded on and then um, came up with the other dude to do, I think Jason actually came up with the idea to do a podcast and I had always kind of yeah had yeah. the idea to do like a travel podcast and I asked her if she'd be interested in it and she is. So yeah, so there here we, we are. are and we've been making our show for about six months now or so and the Nomadic Traveler mm-hmm. podcast was born. I think we maybe we're always nomadic travelers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I kind of have been. I mean, I, I like to drift around and I can kind of, I like to go mm-hmm. like very much by like the seat of my pants. So I'm not very uh, <laughs> planned out and stuff. I don't like structure too much. I like to be able to, yeah, you and, know, yeah. go wherever my fancy takes me, I guess. Well, and I'm a, a social worker by nature. So people and things and places are interesting to me. So that's kind of what I get out of travels. I like to go out and meet new people and cultures. Pretty cool. So had either of you done podcasting before this, or it was a completely new venture for both of you? Completely new. <laughs> I've done nothing radio, nothing video, no YouTube, nothing. I, I've gotten all my whole entire life that uh, my, my voice sounds like a radio voice. So that's the only inkling that I've had that this might be a, a cool thing to do, is that I just constantly have people tell me, you sound like you're on the radio. <laughs> and I just like to talk, so... I was like, sure. <laughs> Sounds good. That's what I was talking about maybe doing. I was, I was thinking about trying to break into doing voiceover work. So do you think I could do that? Yes, I, I absolutely think you can. Absolutely. <laughs> you might be a good contact for that. I'll call you later. <laughs> okay. Um, what, was, what was your first one? What was, your, what was the first place you went to? The first place we went to for the show? Yeah, 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 yeah. For the show together and, you, you know, putting it all together. And, and why did you decide to go to that place? So the first place that we went uh, for the show, um, not our first episode, but the first place we went was Cincinnati. Um, and, and it was because it was close and cheap. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think what it was was like, it was like after our second episode, I was like, let's go somewhere. Like, where are we going to go? And it was cold. It was winter time. It was winter time up yeah. here. Yeah. And we were like, where can we go that's close that has something fun? And we're like, ooh, Cincinnati. So uh, we hopped on over there and it was went a good time. Went to the Newport Aquarium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what else do we do? Uh, trying to think we did anything else. We did the the we, le- levee. What's it called? New- the Newport on the levee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did Newport on the levee complex, and then we had a couple other things that we were going to do. But I think that that lookout area that we were going to do yeah. was closed. Yeah. 
and then and they have a uh, jungle gyms there which is a big giant international correct. like uh grocery store where you can get food from all over the world i don't oh, know if you've ever wow. heard of it it is wonderful you get so many different snacks to try that it's like would... over a hundred thousand square feet and it's yeah, like it's enormous huge. and like each row has a different country or a different um culture that you can try food from which is kind of cool well you guys are kind of like discovering like on the go or do you kind of have an idea? We we discover on the go, and then we also do, like, research for episodes, and then we also do uh, interviews with people. So, like, we had people from New Zealand that have been on the show, and then they do oh. a lot of, like, international travel. So they came on and talked to us about international stuff. So we try to get people that are experts in different areas that can kind of tell us about things from their mm-hmm. perspective. Yeah. We've had people who do, like, solo travel. That was kind of a cool one to see. Um, what that looks like for people. Um, we've done RV traveling. That's kind of what we did a lot in the beginning. People who live in their RVs or just travel the world in their RV. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of a cool experience. And, and it's kind of interesting to see how um, everybody's story, they all kind of go back to like the experiences that they had and the people that they met wherever they went, no yeah. matter which type of travel that they've done. Yeah. What's the weirdest place you've been to? Been to any place weird? The weirdest place. Um, I guess something that was kind of weird is I went to, uh, you know, the song Stand on the Corner in Winslow, Arizona. Yeah, yeah. I, I went and stood on the corner in Winslow, Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> and Winslow, Arizona is a little bitty kind of just tiny town that's just kind of there. And basically all that's there is is the sign and you can stand on the corner and take pictures and there's hardly nothing there. Yeah. What about your home state? Is there something unusual there? There is uh, catacombs in Indianapolis um, that people would probably really enjoy. Um, they're from the 1800s, right? Mm-hmm. And I believe they're still going all through downtown Indianapolis, and they have tours about once a week. And you can, I've never actually done it, but it's on my list of things that I want to do. And uh, you can go check out all these tunnels down there. And I believe that they used to like curry goods like underneath the underneath to like hotels and stuff. So like they didn't have to carry them down the streets. Yeah. And there's like talks of like there being like bodies and bones down there. But I mean, I don't think there are, but I was just about to say, it sounds like a recipe for illegal activity or maybe they smuggled hooch. Who knows? (laughs) Well, and they, they closed it for a while. um, So no one could access it, but now you can, you can go on a tour um, down there for a while so that's kind of cool it's definitely cool I, I think I would like to do that other than maybe coming here for the podcast convention have you been to Florida before either on your travel or anything like that um, so I have I we used as a kid my family would fly down there every summer my grandparents were snowbirds so uh, we would fly down there in the summer and um, just go to it was called Winter Haven florida yes and yeah they lived on like a golf course it was like a retirement home golf course and i remember just driving around all day on the golf cart and hanging out so it's kind of what we did and then um been to orlando quite a few times so yeah that's where i've been what about you when i used to go down to fort walton and i had aunts and uncles that lived in crestview florida so which is up in the panhandle so I used to go there when I was a kid and I remember going to Fort Walton Beach and flying a kite every year and staying in a in a like a condo that we'd rent and that was always a good time and then I lived in Naples, Florida. So I 
done a lot of stuff in southwest florida and then traveled what do they call alligator alley across oh, over yeah. to over to miami and then i used to go to the keys a lot and i go to key west you're gonna tell her your kite story okay i just did didn't i <laughs> didn't tell her about what the kite oh, did about it going over there yeah <laughs> yeah what, what, what? Tell me. Well, so when I was a kid, I, I flew, the, I used to try to fly the kite as high as I could possibly get the stupid thing, you know, because that's what you do as a kid. So <laughs> I got really, really super high and I don't know what happened, but the thing went all the way over the hotel and landed all the way over the top, all the way down on the first floor, all the way on the other side. <laughs> How much spring did you have? My I, God. I must have had a lot because I was all the way down at the water's edge and the hotel sat pretty far away from the water. <laughs> So I thought it was going to be like up like near the roof or something like that. But it went all the way over to the first floor and it was just off the first floor. So I went up to like the first, the second floor balcony and I cut the string. And then I went back out to the beach, wrinkled it all up and tied it back together and flew my kite again. (laughs) Oh, that's a good story. Yeah. Have you ever accidentally stumbled on a hidden gem? I definitely have. Um, so me and my family, we always go to this place um, in St. Louis. It's called the City Museum. And what it is, is it's like a, um, which actually me and my ex-husband found it years and years ago when we were going through St. Louis and we were on our way and we're like, oh, we're going to stop. Let's see if there's anything fun. And we saw this thing that said 10 stories lied. Being the big kids that we are, we're like, okay, we're going to go for it. Let's try it out. And so we went. But it's a museum that has um, just architecture from like all over the United States and actually all over the world. So whoever wants to donate architecture, they take it and then they build like caves and slides and tunnels. And um, there's one floor that's like got all skateboarding things. So it's like a giant skateboarding ramp you can climb up and down. Um, They have like airplanes that you can climb in. Um, just all kinds of things. And then they do have a, a 10 story slide that you can slide down that they've built, but everything is from like all over the world. So there's parts of castles, like everything. Oh my gosh. That yeah. sounds amazing. It, it, I mean, it's a workout, but it is amazing. <laughs> so my family would go there, you know, every year. And one time we were on the way and I saw the sign that said, um, world's largest. And I thought, what? I love World's Largest. Let's stop. And it's a little town on the way. It's called Casey, Illinois. And it's the town's called Big Things in a Small Town. So it's a tiny town. And they have um, a lot of the world's largest there. So they have the world's largest golf tee, uh, kneading needle, wooden shoe, pitchfork mailbox, uh, the world's largest wind chime, and a rocking chair. Oh my God. I love it. I love it. Yes. And it's all in a tiny town. So you, they literally have a tour and you just walk between like biggest thing and biggest thing. You just keep walking and it's very, everyone there is very friendly and it's, it's pretty cool. Um, so yeah. And then they have also foot high pies there as well. So you can get a big giant, really tall pie. Interesting. So, (laughs) so there, yeah. So we usually stop there on the way, either there on the way back every year now. Wasn't there some place where you ate like a bunch of ketchup or something? Didn't you say there was a bunch of different kinds of ketchup or something like that? Oh, oh, they also oh, have. God. No, in St. Louis, they also have a restaurant that we found by accident, and it's a ranch restaurant. Oh, it was ranch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so they, what they do, it's called a like a flight of beer, but it's a flight of ranches. <laughs> so <laughs> any type of ranch that you want to try, like sriracha ranch, blue cheese ranch, like, and they give it to you on this big circle, kind of like a lazy Susan where there's a pile of fries in the middle and then there's every type of ranch around the outside and you just dip and go. It's called the ranch restaurant. <laughs> the ranch <laughs> restaurant. I don't remember what the oh, actual it, name of it. 
but yeah, <laughs> it's pretty cool. That's fun. I think I might skip that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to be a ranch lover to go there. Yeah, you got to be. Yeah, you got to be a ranch lover. But it is interesting. It's very uh, honed in on something very specific. Yeah. So that's yeah, that's yeah. definitely kind of cool. And then I, uh, I was gonna say, yeah. I guess mine would be uh, the Cape Romano Dome House, and that's uh, on the southern tip of Marco Island. And it's like these domed houses that uh, were built down there in the 80s and that they're being taken over by the sea and they're being swept away. And people can go out there like on boats and stuff and like check them out. I guess a ton of wildlife lives in them and it's something kind of cool to check out off of a boat if you're down there and you want to go check something cool and weird out. Yeah, that it, it does look cool when you mention that. I'm looking at a photograph and it looks like you could literally take a small boat and float through them yeah which is kind of cool yeah uh so it's 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 very weird it's very and it's in florida so that's perfect right (laughs) we've got to pause for the cause but don't go anywhere we'll be right back with more weird stories after this short break I'm speaking with Jason Lawrence and Nicole Potter of the Nomadic Traveler podcast about some interesting experiences they've encountered on their journeys. Do you guys know about or heard about any myths or legends either in Florida or anywhere else? Do you want to talk about story? I'll let you do You, you want, want me to talk it? about yeah. story? Okay. There's this town in Indiana that's not too far from us. Um, little bitty town, population of three. And it has a tavern and a hotel and I think a couple other things like some barns and stuff like that that aren't really occupied, I don't think. Mm -hmm. And uh, the hotel is well known for being haunted. So people pay to go there to hopefully be like scared in the middle of the night. Yeah. And you know that's what they're going for because there's nothing else there. Yeah. So unless you want to go get married, it, the town is very beautiful and uh, you can go get married there. Um, I don't know if, if you'd want to, I guess if you wanted a haunted wedding, you know, maybe Ooh, <laughs> or, unexpected guests or a haunted honeymoon, you know, <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty cool. So, and then uh, oddly enough, I do uh, real estate and the town is actually for sale right now. So you can buy the town. However, the guy that owns the inn wants a lease back on the inn. So he wants to sell you his town, but he doesn't want to sell you his inn. So, which is the only thing in the town. Which uh, is basically the only thing in the town. It'd be the only thing that generates income. So I, I don't know what you would do at the town, but they want about $2 million for the town. I think it's like five and a half acres or something like that. Oh, my God. A whole town. Five so, and a half acres. And it's a whole entire town. Yeah. So for about $2 million. So if you're looking for some real estate, give me a call. I can hook you up with a haunted hotel that you can't actually own. (laughs) But you can run. So have you been, you know, you haven't been in the hotel. I have not actually been there, but I do have friends that are like ghost hunters and they go there for trips all the time. They love it. And they said that they've seen like lights turn on and they can see stuff move and they hear noises in the middle of the night and they get registers on their, their little electro meters and. So they love it. It's like it's like one of their favorite places to go. Yeah, I you know, it's it's cool. And then I don't know how I would react. Like, would the hair come up on the back of my neck? <laughs> right. Would I be run out of there, or yeah. would I be going, "Hey, Casper the Friendly Ghost"? Right. You know? Would I want my money back? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> would I stay at the night? <laughs> so, Nicole, do you have anything that uh, that's kind of a urban legend or myth? Um. Well, the only one that I can kind of think about on the top of my head is um so when I was in high school and 
we used to go to this bridge. It's um, a little bit south of Indianapolis. It's called Bargersville. And there was a bridge that we would go to where you would park your car and turn everything off and everybody would be really quiet. And if you sat really, really quiet, then supposedly there was a ghost that would like move your car back and forth. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember going, however, I never experienced this, but everyone in the car would be like, did you feel that? And I'm like, no. (laughs) Um, But yeah, there was a, there was a little, a little bridge that we used to go to that people would, would say that you could feel the car move. I don't know. Maybe it was just me being not believing. I don't know, but <laughs> or like... maybe you needed some some kind of enhancement to feel like <laughs> right. The yeah, know. maybe yeah. I was a little bit straight laced. I don't know, <laughs> but yeah. Have so... you guys have you guys ever heard of Spook Hill in Lake Wales, Florida? Mm-mm. No, what's that? Okay, Spook Hill is where you. It's kind of the same concept, but you literally park your car at a certain spot and your your car is rolling uphill oh i have heard of that really yeah, yeah. i've seen it on tv yeah, yeah. have you have it's you like an it? optical illusion though isn't it yes yeah exactly yeah charlie charlie put a a rubber chicken under his tire and he says let's see if this will go over the chicken i'm parking the car and let's like check it out sure enough that that chicken squawked and the car <laughs> rolled upward and i it, I, it, everything I could not to bust out laughing on the microphone. Yeah, I'm like, oh, awesome. this. Is, I so want to go there. I have heard of it. I didn't. I don't think I realized it was in Florida. I think I, yeah, I've, heard, I've seen it on TV or something before. And yeah, supposedly it's some kind of an optical illusion. It literally looks like you put your car in neutral, and it looks like your car is rolling uphill. Really? Yeah. So, yes. but I guess it's technically downhill, huh? It just looks like you're going uphill. Is that what the yeah, deal is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's all your perspective. But oh, it's so still cool. it's still a cool place. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Well, until your car keeps rolling and you get to catch it. <laughs> yeah. It stops though eventually, doesn't it? I think if you come yes. to like yeah, you come to like a high, like a high point or a low point or something. Yeah, it's just like a couple of feet or something. I think it is. But yeah, that's that's a fun that's a fun thing too. Tell me about your recent trip to Florida. What did you What did you discover? I know you guys just. Um, came here what maybe a month ago or so it's yeah a month or two ago yeah mm-hmm. and uh we came down we drove down uh our trip down was uneventful so we made it there actually we made a really good time yeah we, so, we left in the i was telling the night. nicole i was like anything can happen so we may end up <laughs> stuck somewhere <laughs> for a while because i've driven back and forth from indiana to florida many times and i've run into a lot of problems where you get stuck like that mm-hmm. so but we made extra ex- excellent time we made it all the way down there and we went to uh, disney for a few days to do research for a disney episode so we have a disney for adults episode that's already out that's on our show you can check that out and uh, disney for families and mm-hmm. then we also did where to stay in your rv when you are at disney so and it profiles all the different uh, rv areas around disney that you can stay mm-hmm so um so we did that for a few days we did the um nasa yes so i uh per the part of the podcast convention you could write an essay to nasa and tell them why you thought that nasa should choose you and how basically you would benefit from a behind the scenes tour at nasa and how they would benefit from a behind the scenes tour at nasa so i went and did that it was only one person so I only got to go, so why I did that, Nicole went and did the public side. So Mm -hmm. she went and did a public tour, and I got to do a private behind-the-scenes tour where we got to go in, like, big, giant assembling buildings 
where they yeah. assemble the rockets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we got to go to one of the uh, crawler transports, and we got to stand underneath it. We got to interview guys that are engineers and drivers for the crawler transport. Um, we got to talk to people in the food area that uh, they design food for the astronauts, and they're trying to figure out how they are going to design food to get them to the moon and like maybe like make travel a little nicer so that's like step one step two is is how can they set up a colony or something like that on the moon so they can grow food on the moon and then be able to use that to like springboard to mars so it's like a three-phase thing so they want to figure out how to do it you know short term how to do it in a colony on the moon and then how to do it long term so people can make food while they're en route to mars yeah, and 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 their their sites are set on Mars because I think if you do go to Mars, it's I forget why, but I think you have it's like a year and a half venture or something like that. Yeah, I think it's seven months one way. Plus, they would spend at least six months there. I believe is what they said. Yeah, yeah, it's not a it's not a quick trip. It's no, not a weekender. Not at all. <laughs> now that's travel. Yeah. So, and then they had like in this area that we went to, they had all these different kinds of veg- vegetables and lettuces and different things that they were. Um, they were hitting them with like radiation and stuff like that to see if they would mutate or see if it was still, you know, edible, nutritious, stuff like that. If it would harm, you know, the plants, it would harm the astronauts once they harvested the plants. So it was really pretty neat. I had a really good time. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who's eating the radiated food to see if it's any That's a good question. Probably rats. I'm assuming it was crazy monkeys on an island, I think. (laughs) (laughs) The weird people of Florida. (gasps) That's where the weird people come from. Right? Exactly. That's a whole other thing I didn't talk to you about, the weird people I've met. So, uh, yeah, weird places and weird structures, but there's weird people here, including the one you're talking to right now. I'm about to say, weird people are probably my favorite. Those are my people. <laughs> Those are your peeps, right? <laughs> yeah. So was there anything weird at NASA that you saw or that you can – there's like a couple things I was going to mention. No, 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 really. I mean it's all kind of – that. They, they do bring in the fuel tanks by boat. So they have Ooh. like the launch facility and then they have like a canal that they built that goes right up real close to the launch facility and they are built in Louisiana or something like that. And they have big giant fuel tanks that are brought in and they come in on a big barge and then they go and pick them up off of a barge and bring them into the assembly building. And once they are in the assembly building, nobody is allowed in there except for authorized personnel because the the fuel is so dangerous, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I would imagine. I don't know if you are aware of the moon tree at NASA. I think it's by the rocket garden. Mm -mm. Okay. Um, the moon trees went on board uh, Apollo 14. There was a, a young uh, astronaut named Stuart Rusa who used to work for the Forest Service, and he used to be what they call a smoke jumper. Have you heard of a smoke jumper? Yep. Those are people okay. that, that go into forest fires and they jump out of planes, right? Yeah. 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 When, the, when the terrain's really rugged and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And... Um, one of the guys that worked for the Forest Service knew of Rusa, and he suggested doing this thing where they take seeds up in space. Um, so seeds were chosen from five different types of trees, um, and they were supposed to have, like, Earth counterparts, and some of them were supposed to go to space, and they were supposed to do this, um, you know, side-by-side testing to see which ones would germinate if they went to the moon and back. So these seeds went to the moon, 
And um, when they actually came back um, in the de decontamination process, the seeds went everywhere when they opened the canister. So they weren't sure what they got. But the point is, is a lot of these seeds did germinate. Now, this was 1971. And a lot of these trees germinated and were planted in the years 1975 and 1976 to celebrate our bicentennial. So I think it's by the Rocket Garden is a, is a moon tree. It's a sycamore tree that was planted June 25th, 1976. So those seeds came from the moon. And they got well, all mixed up so they don't know which ones went and which ones didn't? Or they do know which ones went? No, no, they don't know. But nearly all of the seeds germinated. So whether the way that they were on the moon, whether they were still in Earth, it doesn't matter. They all kind of germinated. So uh, not that you can tell which one maybe grew faster or whatever. Uh, that type of data is not there. But um, these trees were kind of planted everywhere. There's one at the White House. Um, they're in most of the state parks. Um, there's one in Brazil, one in Switzerland, and one was even presented to the emperor of Japan. So um, that's what these trees were to celebrate was our centennial, our bicentennial, rather. So Very cool. At your moon tree. I like that and, one. Yeah. So that's a, like a weird element of like NASA or um, um, Kennedy Space Center anyway. I had a um, dine with the astronaut experience there, which was amazing. Um, when I got there, it was like $25 to do it. And I was like, okay, I need to eat lunch anyways. Let's do it. And it was the best lunch, first of all, ever. It was amazing. It there. was the best. <laughs> well, it wasn't. It wasn't astronaut food, right? Freeze dried astronaut. Food. It was not. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like a buffet, and it had like shrimp and steak and chicken and green. Like you felt like you were going to a wedding because they had all the tables set up with you know in like circle tables and everything. And then the the um, so you ate your food, and then the astronaut came out and talk to you there was probably like four tables so it's not just you personally and an astronaut but he came out talked to us did a question and answer with us um and then afterwards you got to like meet him and take your picture with him and it was a really cool experience um, you said it was pretty good quality food right it was amazing yeah and it was 25 25 dollars so you would have yeah, good deal yeah you would have spent that to eat lunch anyways yeah, right <laughs> so do that if you go there any listeners out there for sure 100 percent recommend that but I also recommend taking two days to do the public tour because there's so much to do that it's yeah. impossible to get all done. Also, the other thing that I loved was the simulator. Simulator? The simulator. Simulator. <laughs> the simulator. <laughs> simulator. Um, so you get to go in and like sit in like you're in a real um, rocket ship before it takes off, which is cool. So you oh, man. Yeah. That's and it, I mean, it shakes and it moves. I mean, and, and also there's a spot where like you can view because some of the some kids were kind of like eh, a little iffy. So they left out and then you can view people inside. But yeah, they close it all up and they take you through it. And they tell you how like right before it takes off, there's a lean to it. And so then they make you lean a little bit and then they take you off just like you were shooting up into space. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And it's so realistic that people get motion sick, right? Yeah, yeah. Some people were, yeah, a little <laughs> iffy when they got out. <laughs> so one other thing that I was thinking of that I wanted to mention, too, was uh, when we were at the launch pad, they were telling us that there is a tree there. And every time it launches, I guess it's on the side where all the fire <laughs> gets spit out and it gets burned up. And they said the thing keeps coming back. 
So whatever wow. kind of tree it is, it's an evasive species to Florida, and it just keeps growing back and keeps growing back. And they said, we haven't had a launch in a while, so the thing's getting a little unruly. So <laughs> they said, we're ready to have another launch and knock it back again. That's See, now cool. that's a perfect weird thing. It's yeah. unexplainable that it's like, by all rights, the thing should be dead, but right? it keeps. it's a very resilient tree. Yep. That's the way the planet that is, is so in general. The planet's an amazing place in general. <laughs> I agree. Resilient. Especially nature. So if people want to find your podcast, what can they do? So we are on almost every place, too. We are called the Nomadic Traveler Podcast. So we're on Stitcher, iTunes, um, Podbean, Podbean uh, everything. Every, anything that you can imagine, Chromecast, anything. We spent a lot of time recently trying to make sure that we are on as many things as absolutely possible. Yes, yeah. And you'll see we have a white background, and it's a logo that's green, and it's got like a uh, RV in the back. Yeah. in a travel trailer. Um, but you can find us there. You can also find us on Facebook at the nomadic traveler podcast. Yep. And then we also have our email. If you want to email us, we're not the nomadic. It's nomadic. Just, yeah. Traveler. Nomadic traveler podcast at gmail.com. Yes. There is no the in front of it. Yes. And we always love to hear from our listeners and, um, hear any stories that you have about your travel and what you've experienced and things like that. So, yeah, we're always looking for show ideas and, uh, anybody that would maybe like to come on and be interviewed. We, we, we're always looking for people. So yep. thank you guys. I really pre- appreciate having you on and, um, Uh, look for the nomadic traveler all right thank you thank you for having us that was jason lawrence and nicole potter of the nomadic traveler podcast next up we highlight a few roadside oddities discovered by florida's master of the weird charlie carlson these are from his book weird florida contrary to what many tourists may think not all florida's attractions are confined to theme parks Some of the most unusual are found along roadsides. No, we don't mean roadkills. We're talking about those wacky, man-made things that make us turn our heads as we drive by and say, what was that? Roadside oddities usually lay claim to being the biggest, tallest, smallest, oldest, strangest, or something we can't figure out. They are Florida's eccentricities to the left and right of the main highways. They sit there, usually in some scrubby place, and beckon us to stop and take a photograph. Given Florida's fast-changing times, tourist photographs may be the only documentation that these things ever existed. Thus, we have a duty in the name of weirdness to stop and pay homage to these roadside marvels. And as a bonus, you get to have your picture taken next to something ridiculous. Now these first few roadside attractions we're about to feature, I had the pleasure of encountering with Charlie Carlson. And the first one we're going to talk about is the Zero Milestone. Now this big six-foot diameter cocaine sphere in St. Augustine sits beside Highway A1A near the Visitor Center. Now perhaps you've seen it and wondered, what is that big stone ball? Well, it's the Zero Milestone that was placed there in 1929 to mark the eastern end of the Old Spanish Trail that ran from St. Augustine all the way to the Pacific, where it terminated in San Diego, California. The trail was the first transcontinental route from ocean to ocean. The next two we're going to talk about is America's smallest post office and the world's smallest police station. On the western edge of the Everglades in Achope, Florida, 400 postal customers are served by the nation's smallest post office. 
It was originally built in 1934 as a tool shed for the Gaunt Tomato Farm. The first post office was in the general store, but when it burned down in 1953, postmaster Sid Brown began storing and sorting the mail in the tool shed. A short time later, the shed became Achope's official post office. Now the tiny structure measures only 10 feet 6 inches in height, 8 feet 4 inches in width, and 7 feet 3 inches in length. Local folks have resisted attempts by the U.S. Postal Service to replace their famous little post office. It's the biggest attraction in town. And that's probably because there's nothing else in Achope. The next one we're going to talk about is the world's smallest police station. Carabelle on Florida's Gulf Coast, just across the bay from Apalachicola, has the world's smallest police station, which is the size of a phone booth. And that's because it was converted from one in 1963. The town had only two police cars, and when one was on patrol, the other sat by the phone booth. Arrested criminals were taken over the bridge to Apalachicola Jail. A few years ago, Carabelle built a larger police station, but has kept the original one at the corner of Highway 30 and Meridian Street. Locals say it's the most photographed place in town. Now this next one I haven't seen, but I have heard a lot about. Ocala's Painted Horses. Ocala is Florida's horse country, and scattered all over town are 52 artistic life-size horses. Crafted from fiberglass, each horse has a name and a crazy paint job done by local artists. Some of these steeds have psychedelic decorations, while other designs are almost three-dimensional. Originally, the horses were part of an art exhibit called Horse Fever, sponsored by the Florida Thoroughbred Breeders and Owners Association. After the exhibition, the colorful equines were auctioned off, and now they stand in front of businesses and residences and in the city park. Now you gotta figure, Florida being Florida with gators everywhere, that there would at one time be an unofficial contest to which tourist attraction could build the biggest cement alligator. Now the results are all over the state. There's a 124-foot gator with a Land Rover in its jaws at Kissimmee's defunct Jungle Land Zoo. Now up the road near Orlando is the famous entrance to Gatorland through the toothy creature's open mouth. The biggest concrete gator, 220 feet from snout to tail tip, is swampy at Jungle Adventures on Highway 50 between Orlando and Titusville. Now there are so many oddities throughout the state of Florida. We have traveled 1,500 miles across the state, but I am going to end on this one, and it's a great one that I visited with Charlie, and that is the Possum Monument. In the northwestern Florida community of Wasso stands a tall granite monument dedicated to the possum. The marsupial memorial honors the possum for providing food and fur to humans during hard times. In 1982, the Florida legislature passed a joint resolution proclaiming the first Saturday in August as Florida's Possum Day. Wasso celebrates the day each year with a possum festival and the election of a possum king and queen. The festivities are held at an arena called Wasso's Possum Palace. Now we could assume that if they serve possum, it comes with sweet potatoes. Know of a weird place or have a weird tale to tell? Go to SoFloWeird.com. If you want more strange Florida stories, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and visit us on Facebook and Instagram. 
I'm Mia Lorenzo. Thank you for listening to the SoFlo Weird Show. This has been a Sideshow Charlie production, inspired by Florida's master of the weird, Charlie Carlson. Stay weird, everybody.